Hey guys, we are Emma and Jessica and welcome to our podcast, the MSR Files, an X-Files podcast. In this episode, we're going to go over Aubrey. We'll go through it scene by scene and discuss while interjecting with our own thoughts. Hope you enjoy. So this one was directed by Rob Bowman and written by, lost her name already, Sarah B. Cooper. So we open up with police headquarters in Aubrey, Missouri, and they're just like walking through a, a police station. There's two detectives talking about a killing, a murder, whatever you want to call it, and the guy's saying like there was blood everywhere. Whoever killed her is a real psycho. And then they ask for the murder weapon. Turns out it's a razor. And there's only two shops that sell them in town. So Tillman asks them to check that out. And then they ask, what about the press? And he says, just tell them the basics. Don't mention anything about sister. So we don't know what that's about yet, but we'll let you find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's lots of people going around. And <laughs> Tillman goes to his office. While he's in there, a woman comes in. And she says that she needs a minute. And he seems rather pissed off, but he's like, he's like, I'm working on a yeah. homicide investigation, but like waves her in. Then she tells him that he didn't show last night and he's like, he seems annoyed. He's like, that's what you want to talk about. Uh-huh. And she says that she made dinner. So clearly they're having a little thing. Yeah. And just as he, he's about to like explain himself, the phone rings. So he answers that. And what's her name? BJ sits down while he's on the phone she like writes on a bit of paper that she writes I'm pregnant and slides it over Tom and then he tells the person on the phone to hang on a second and writes down an address and hands it to her and tells her to meet him there at 10 o'clock she asks where it is and then she's like a motel (laughs) (laughs) he says it's a place to talk so she doesn't look happy about this but she walks out of his office and then Tillman gets the bit of paper that she's wrote I'm pregnant on and scrambles it up and puts it in the bin so then later on we see that BJ is at the motel and she's like fumbling around with her keys as she's trying to unlock the door like she like she can't get the keys in the door and like our vision goes all blurry she's clearly like about to faint or something she starts hyperventilating mm-hmm. and then she starts seeing like a vision of like 1940s i'm guessing it's supposed to be mm-hmm. and you see a truck pulling into like this nearby field and then someone digging in the dirt and then we see like so she's seen this vision and then we see it's her hands digging in the dirt She's just fucking gaining a loudy. Fucking just tearing the dirt out of her <laughs> hands. Like. And she then uncovers some bones. So see, like, some, okay. I guess it's like a, a leg, what, the, what you call it, femur bone and a skull. And then she finds a badge, which she raises up into the light, and it reads, Justice Department, US Federal Bureau of Investigation. And then she's all like, oh! And then it's opening credits. She's like, what? She's just like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Great nice. So then we cut to the FBI headquarters, like Washington, D.C., in case anyone's forgot. Funnily enough. And Mulder is looking at some x rays, and Scully walks in and asks any cavities, and Mulder says he brushes after every meal and then asks her if they look like a match. 
And she basically goes on about Pish match, like all the stuff that matches. Yeah. She, she's trying to be all smart with all her doctor's words for fucking teeth and everything. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. <laughs> and she was like, yep, definitely a match. Who do they belong to? And Mulder says, Special Agent Sam Cheney. Scully notes that it sounds familiar. And Mulder says that he was a legend 40 years ago. Or 40 years before the Bureau was profiling violent criminals, Cheney and his partner, Tim Ledbetter, would work on on their own time investigating what they called strange killings, or now called serial murders. And then said that they investigated, well, they disappeared rather while investigating three murders in Aubrey, Missouri in 1942, and that his body was never found until two days ago by a detective, B.G. Morrow. And then he goes, a woman. I'm like, a woman? And I'm just like, excuse me? Why, why, why is that surprising? Like, yeah. What the fuck? Like I don't. It's so weird. It's and weird. the fact that this was written by women, like I said, I'm blaming every sexist thing in this on the men in the writing room because, like, what I the fuck? You. Absolutely. I bet one of them was like, make him sound surprised that it was all <laughs> <laughs> like while they were reading her script. Scully asked what Mulder's interest in the case is, and Mulder said that during their time, Ginny and Ledbetter's ideas weren't very well received by their peers. Using psychology, psychologically, psychology to solve <laughs> solve a crime was something like um, and then Scully says believing in the paranormal, and he's like, yep. Uh, and then he says there's another mystery, and he says that like he wants to know why BJ would suddenly drive her car into the field for no reason and then dig up these bones and basically says unless there's like a big bright sign saying dick here why would she do that <laughs> which is fair yeah. enough yeah like what are you doing out there pal <laughs> and Scully says I guess that's why we're going to Aubrey and then Mulder says uh, oh my god I just want to smack my head across the table but uh, <laughs> yeah. Mulder says yeah. yes and I've also been always been intrigued by women named BJ as if he's met anyone else called that, to be honest. Okay. And this line is terrible, it's sexist, but the backside is glorious as he walks off. <laughs> so then we it cut is. to the next scene. So we're at the crime scene in Aubrey, Missouri, and we see that there are people digging and they've set up a wee crime scene thing. And Scully asks, I don't know why I said Scully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Detective, Scully asks Detective Morrow how she discovered the remains, and then BJ not so subtly like she's clearly been told what to say says that she witnessed a dog yeah. digging in the ground and then proceeded to investigate and i'm like if i saw a dog digging in the ground i'd just be like all right keep driving uh, none of my business yeah <laughs> nope <laughs> not today satan so nope. what was i saying <laughs> oh yeah Mulder says the initial re- police report says you can't explain your actions yeah, and, calls bullshit. yeah and then he, she says well it was late she was shocked so she was unable to articulate exactly what happened in her initial report. Mulder asked what she was doing there at that time of night, and she said she had some engine failure on her car. Mulder asked if she left her car and looks around, and she said she points to where the car is, and it's nearby. So then we see Tillman standing at the crime scene, like he's facing away from them, but he's looking very sus. Very he's weird. clearly looking, listening into the conversation. Yeah. Been a little weirdo. Mulder asks, would you say that's four or five hundred yards away? And she confirms that it is. And he's like, so from that distance, you could see a dog digging in a field at night. <laughs> and at that point, so just tell her, yeah, just tell her exactly. all that you don't believe her. At that point, Tillman comes over and cuts in and speaks for her because he's an absolute fucking arsehole and says that she yeah, has I don't like no him. either. She, I don't like him in anything he's in. I believe his name's Terry O'Quinn. I could be wrong with that. Uh-huh. He was in Lost. Hate him in that. He was in Hawaii Five O. Hated him in that. He's in this three <laughs> times. Don't like him 
<laughs> any time that he's in it I'm trying to think what else I've seen him in but it, literally everything I've seen him in I'm just like oh this fucking guy I'm not saying he's a bad actor <laughs> or, anything, or anything but I just don't like him <laughs> yeah his characters are not okay. yeah so Mulder says the report says she phoned in from a motel black just up the road there that's not a very shortcut and then Tillman points out that it seems he's more interested in how the agent found <laughs> the body rather than how it got there in the first place and then asks if she's under suspicion Mulder says nope, and he says he'd like to ask Detective Morrow a few more questions. BEJ agrees, and he said, asks her if she's ever had any clairvoyant experiences. <laughs> so here he goes with his pish. And BEJ seems very taken aback by this. Tillman's like, what the fuck is that <laughs> kind of question? <laughs> and BEJ asks, like, dreams? And Mulder's like, yep. Tillman says, he doesn't mean to be rude, but they have a lot to do. If he has, yeah, exactly. And if they have any more questions, please feel free to call and then take Speedy away. So then Mulder and Scully kind of look at each other, sus, like, mm, what's going like, on here? Mm. And Scully yeah. looks tiny. She is the she smallest does. girl in school. Honestly, she's tiny. So then we cut to the coroner's office examining room C, and Scully's doing some work while Mulder's just sitting on the bench like a fucking weirdo. So <laughs> Scully says that the bones are in good condition. But there's small cuts on the top three ribs, and she doesn't think they were made by animals. So Mulder's saying, listen to this, and he's reading from a file, and he says, one must wonder how these monsters are created. Cheney wrote this. Did their home life mould them into creatures that must maim and kill, or are they demons from birth? And Scully's like, well, that's poetic, but doesn't help us much. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, what is there actually in there about the homicides, Mulder? Because that's all that fucking matters. So... Mulder looks at the file again and he says there was three victims, all were young women aged 25 to 30. And then he looks through some foes, which are fucking horrible. And he says he disabled them with a blow to the head. Well, like um, Ted Bundy. So, Ooh. if I'm not mistaken. Excuse me. So, Scully picks up a skull, just casually. I mean, it's Cheney's skull. It's not just a random skull. <laughs> yeah. To survive in Moscow. Mulder says that he would carve the word sister on their chest and paint it all over the wall in blood. And then he says that the victims bled to death and the murderer was never found. And Scully says that the, Mulder, the cuts on the ribs could have been made by a razor. And Mulder asks if she can make out the word. I mean, fucking as if, eh? If they'd cut into their yeah, skin, yeah. as if you're going to make out like the slight indents are on the bones, but whatever. And she says, no, but we might be able to find someone that can do it with a scanner. So then we cut to later on, and there's a computer. Scully's snacking on fried chicken, because this gal fucking loves fried chicken, apparently. It's all we ever really mm-hmm. see. She's like, either eating a salad or fried chicken, and that's about it. Yeah, it's one or the other. Scully says like she's scanned the things, but it's going to take a wee while to work. And Mulder says that he checked with a mechanic, and BG's car was just tuned. She lied about the engine failure. To be fair, how many times have you taken your car to the garage and then it's broke like a few weeks later? So... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's hard evidence, but whatever. Yeah. She was lying, but still. <laughs> yeah. And then Scully's like, yeah, she wasn't out in the woods that night because of an engine failure, you dumbass. And <laughs> she's like, she was meeting at the hotel. It was like the perfect place for a hookup, basically, for them to have an affair. And Mulder's like, all innocent, like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And then Scully's like, listen, bro, <laughs> I have to spell it out for you. BJ and Tillman. Or having an affair. And Mulder's like, how do you know? And then she says, a woman senses these things. And ugh. Again, I'm going to blame the men in the writers. Because <laughs> fuck off. Just fuck off. Yeah. Anyone that's fucking with common sense right. would sense that. You don't have to be a woman. Uh-huh. You just have to pay attention. Yeah, exactly. And Mulder's absolutely colourless in the background. It's like, bro. <laughs> so then the computer beeps. And it shows the images of the, the rib cages. Basically, it says there's no match. 
so it doesn't say sister. Mulder asks if he could have carved another word onto the ribcage. Scully starts like fucking around on the computer and says she's searching for any matches of other patterns. Matching patterns, of course. So then BG comes in and asks if they've made any progress. And Mulder says that Cheney might have been the victim of the killer he was trying to catch. And we are trying to determine the, if the cuts on his ribcage fell out a word or not. BG walks in and she looks at the bones and then she like looks all fucking weird again like she did in the mm-hmm. London scene. And okay. she has a vision of Cheney being killed, basically. Mulder asks if she's alright and she says she's not feeling well and then excuses herself and runs out. And then Mulder and Scully just kind of look at each other. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like, like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. So then we cut to the bathroom where BG is at the sink and she's clearly just speared. So Scully asks mm-hmm. her if she's feeling better and she says she's fine. Scully says that things must be difficult for her because she's had feelings for people she's worked with. She currently has feelings no. for someone she works with. And <laughs> she says inner office relationships can be complicated, especially when he's married. And I'm like, you little whore, Scully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't slut shame, but we do when they're married. So <laughs> then she says, then she's just like, she's so fucking blunt. She's like, so you're, so you're pregnant, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Drop the tea, bestie. What's happening? And BG looks, looks good on really shot. And she's like, does it show? And Sky's like, nah, not yet. And then BG says, now I know why my mother only had one child. She told me about the nausea, but not about the nightmares. And then Sky like questions her on this. And she says, it's always the same. I'm in a house. It feels familiar. There's a woman that's been hurt. There's a mirror. See a man's reflection. I recognise his face, but I don't know it. What I remember most is the blood. There's a lot of blood. And then Scully's like, you fucking talk to anyone? Like a professional about this? Yeah. You got, have you had therapy? BG says she's sure something about the pregnancy. If anyone else knew she was pregnant, Brian would kill her. If she told anyone. And I'm just like, hmm. Maybe have a better choice of man Red men flag. then. Because if the guy you're seeing would kill you for telling someone that he got you pregnant, which is his fucking problem and his fault, then maybe you've not picked the Uh, right guy. Maybe leave his fucking ass and find someone better. Yeah. I've lost my train of thought now. Oh yeah, Scully asked what she's going to do and she says she doesn't know. So then we cut back to, excuse me, Scully and Mulder by the computer. Scully says, well, BG's pregnant. (laughs) I'm just like, well, I just spilled the fucking tea right away. (laughs) No confidentiality whatsoever. And she's like, and Tillman's the father. Yeah, and Mulder's so awkward about it. He's like, um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's funny. (laughs) It's so funny, his reaction. So then he starts going on about the percentage of letters matching and all this. Uh They're still fucking around. And then at some point, BG walks in and's like, oh, have you tried brother? Or like, what about brother or something like that? Like, she might, like, she does like her finger, like her spelling it out. And then she says, mm-hmm. brother. And then Mulder's like, what? <laughs> like, what? But, you know what I mean? Yeah. And she's like, I know what it says. It says Bell's brother. So they type that shit into the computer and it's a match. So then Tillman comes in at some point during this as well. <laughs> Don't know where. And my notes are a mess. <laughs> I don't know where he's come from. And he's like, what's going on here, BG? And I'm like, this fucking guy so many red flags and a ham. And BG's like, nothing? And I'm like, if you're scared of this guy, why are you sleeping with him? Uh, yeah, yeah, why are you still with him? Yeah. And Tillman's like, where'd you get these? As he picks up the files. And he's like, these are crime scene photos. They were sealed. No one had access to them. And Mulder's like, get your fact right. I think you'll find them from <laughs> 1942. And Tillman says, these are evidence of a homicide that occurred three days ago. And then Scully's like, mm, he's like, fuck you. <laughs> no, these are from a case that Agent Ledbetter and Agent Cheney were investigating in 1942 before they disappeared. So get fucked, bitch. Mic drop. <laughs> so then Tillman's just like, like, oh my God. <laughs> staring down at the files and realizes like the case, like the 
what do you call it? Like the file? The case note? Like, I don't know. The name for it? The case name or whatever? I don't know. Don't know. You know what I mean? Probably yeah, not, but mean. yeah. You're picking up what you're putting down. So then... <laughs> <laughs> Best thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tillman says, Three days ago, a young woman was murdered and the word sister was carved into her chest and painted on the wall. Only myself, the coroner, and one of my men knew about this. So then Darnell comes in and he says, Excuse me, sir, we just got a call. There's been another murder. So then we cut to a swimming pool, like a drained swimming pool, and... Tillman, Scully, Mulder and BJ are all there and they go over to the woman that's been killed and she's got the word sister slashed into her chest. Well, it's a bit random that she's just in like an abandoned swimming pool. Swimming pool. I, guess, like, I guess maybe question, like what? Maybe she, she was in there? Maybe she got like dragged there. Like maybe took her from one because they, they yeah, hit her on the head so maybe like hit her on the head dragged uh, her there. True, yeah. That's fair. You're too innocent. Sounds like it's not. <laughs> 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 yeah it was just weird yeah, I never th- yeah listen it's been a week yeah I know <laughs> I, I know like, we work in the same office <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you off so then BJ's like oh my god and Scully's like what and BJ says it's the woman from my dream so then we cut to uh, Lincoln Park Aubrey Missouri a little girl's running around and she falls and she is like a little stumble onto grass and she's all like ah and mm-hmm. I'm like fucking grow up pal so anyway <laughs> wouldn't be me if, if I was bare I'd be like toughen up you little fucker and get back on your feet so <laughs> BG stands up she's like oh my god like wanting to help but then our, the, the girl's like real mother <laughs> goes and helps her and then BG like sits down and then she's like oh the mothering instinct again I hope it was the men that fucking wrote this because what bullshit mm. is this you're pregnant you don't suddenly just fucking start wanting to parent every child around you so yeah. it's stupid. so weird this is just like <gasps> this episode like i like this case i like the thing around it it's just all the sexism that fucking I just want to uh, punch someone and the fact yeah. that it was written by women makes yeah. it worse <laughs> i'm like what was happening here i would love to i'm i'm blaming the men i'm blaming the men in the writer's room i really am i feel like they added all this yeah. stuff i feel like this women wrote like a really good script and they're like nah let us add some sexism into this because we're not uh, having it's this it's the 90s is the 90s on Fox yeah. to have a specific, yeah. a specific amount of sexism for it. Could be 2024 on Fox, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so she then says uh, she hated how her mother used to hover over her and she swore she'd never be like that. And then Mother's like, I think we all feel like that one way or another at some time. And I'm like, Mother, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so BT yeah. starts saying about how her dad was a cop. He was a good cop and that's all she ever wanted to be. He would say what they were doing here is nonsense. Like, you can't solve a crime from a dream. And then Mulder says a line which I very like, which is, well, I've often felt that dreams are answers to questions we haven't yet figured out how to ask. And I'm like, yes, like that's that good. And I'm, we're we're yeah, giving that like one that. to the women there. That's all Sarah. Yes. Eh. Yes. <laughs> or Sarah. Did it have an H on the end? It could be Sarah. Um, Some people spell Sarah that way. Name. Some people, you know what I mean? So like, Sarah, 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 Sarah. Yeah. one of the two. So then Mulder's like, you said you were in a familiar house. And BG confirms this. And says there's a woman that was hurt. She looks in the mirror and sees a man's reflection. Mulder asks what he looks like, and she says he's got a rash on his face and his eyes are intense. He asks her if she remembers anything else. And she says there's a strange picture on the wall behind them. It's a building like the Washington Monument, but different. And there's a big circular thing beside it. Mulder asks her if she could draw it, so he gives her some paper and she does a little sketch. It's the worst fucking sketch ever. <laughs> and and yeah, it's so fucking like like what? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just so simple and stupid. Like a two year old could have done it. And, and <laughs> like, like, what do you think it is? Oh, yeah, it is like the Jersey Devil. <laughs> you're like, what do you mean? Can no one fucking draw get... next files? Like, what the hell? 
It's just a triangle in a circle, like what yeah. the fuck? And he's I'm like, like <gasps> the world fear. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like, could it be the trial, try uh, the trial on and persevere? Is that what it is? Trial on and persevere, whatever. He's like, have you ever know. been to New York City? And I'm just like, shut up, mother. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the hell and up. she's just like, nope. And he says, you can get pictures of these on postcards all over Times Square. These were the symbols of the 1939 World's Fair. And Scully asked her why that might be in your dream. And she's like, no. <laughs> oh. uh, this episode has some good points. Yeah. Again. It's interesting. But <laughs> it comes out of the shit with this. Like, like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> so my mother looks at the drawing again. And <laughs> yeah. It's just fucked up. So then we cut to the police station in Aubrey, and BJ is looking through some old mug shots. You can tell they're very dead. Tillman comes over and he's like, You're. And by the way, why is there like, no lights on apart from the desk lamps? I feel like they do this on every single cop show. And I'm like, I swear these fuckers aren't sitting in the dark with one lamp on, no, <laughs> struggling to on. see while looking over like murder cases and shit. Like, but they do this in every fucking single cop show, I swear to mm-hmm. God. So. Forgot. Here I was. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tillman's like you're here, kind of like. And <laughs> stop laughing at me. I'm trying to do my notes. Fuck. Here I was. I was yawning. I was yawning. <laughs> no, you were yawning. It's funny. The sound was funny. Oh dear. Right. Oh dear. He just says she just wants to check something. <laughs> Well, not Mulder. Tillman says, I don't get it. That book's from the 1940s. So, good fucking investigating work there, dickhead. Mm-hmm. Well done, detective. Yeah. Tillman asks if they can talk. And he says, you know I'm willing to go with you for the appointment. And she says, it's not sure that she wants... It's not sure if she knows what that's what she wants to do. And then he says, I thought we agreed this was the best thing for us. And it sounds like he agreed <laughs> by himself that it was the best <laughs> yeah. thing for him. It was his decision. And she says, she changed her mind. And then he's like, what do you mean you changed your mind? She's like, you can't change your mind. This is our decision. <laughs> And it's not a hard decision. Last time I checked, it was a hard that's pregnant. So it's a hard decision whether she wants to keep it or whether she doesn't want to keep it. And I mean, both sides of that. If she doesn't want to keep it, then it's got fuck all to do with you. If she does want to keep yeah. it, fuck all to do with you. <laughs> you ain't Ooh, pregnant, yeah. son. Took him 30 seconds. She's going to have to deal with it for nine months. Yeah, exactly. Far. So I think it took him less than 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. That was being generous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she sees a phone and she's like, it's him. I have to go. And runs off. So then we cut to Highway 377 or 377. How would they do that? 377? 377? I don't know. I don't know how they they see their own name. Yeah. It's on the Missouri-Nebraska border. And Scully says, this is the man BG claims to have seen in her dream. And they are looking at the mugshot that she saw. And Scully says, it's Harry Coakley. He lives in Gainesville, Nebraska, since his release from McAllister. It's a weird way they spell that. Penitentiary. My God, penitentiary on <laughs> December 15th, 1993. We were just both babies then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scully says yeah. he was convicted in 1945 for rape and attempted murder. Coakley carved sister on the chest of his victim, Linda Thibodeau, before she was able to escape and get help from a neighbour. And like, for fuck's sake, like, because Mulder points this out, he's like, and they never made the connection to the 1942 homicides? <laughs> and she's like, nope. Yeah. And I'm like, you... Like... <laughs> How fucking dumb were the police back mm-hmm. then that they did not put that together? Yeah. Like, oh, someone's also been raped and had this carved into them. So maybe that's got something to do with all those other ones that had the same uh, thing yeah. carved into them. Not just be like, oh, well, shucks. Uh-huh. It has to be something different. <laughs> Scully says no, and Mulder says, well, I don't want to jump to any rash conclusions, and it's not a rash conclusion at all. It's the logical <laughs> conclusion. But he says, it but is. he 
he's, he's definitely their prime, their prime, their prime suspect. Um, <laughs> and then Scully's like, he's seventy-seven, Mulder. And Mulder <laughs> points out that George Foreman won his heavyweight crown at forty-five, and some people are late bloomers. And Scully just looks up and goes back to the file. Like, not the time, yeah, Mulder. And not the time, not the place. Mulder's like, Mulder says, this doesn't explain BG's connection to any of this. Scully asks, what if it's cryptomnesia? And Mulder says, you mean consciously forgotten information? And she's like, yep, her dad was a cop. Maybe she knew, like, of, like maybe she'd overheard details of this case. Or seen pictures of Coakley. And Scully says, so Mulder questions, like, Scully's theory on this and she says that maybe the recent murder is on what you call it oh my god i don't know what the word i'm trying to say is like the recent murders <laughs> made her suddenly think of like this unconscious information that she had and mother's like you mean a hunch and scully's like something like that and he says well that's a pretty extreme hunch and she says i seem to recall you having some pretty extreme hunches and he says i <laughs> never have and they're fucking little smiles i just want to fucking knock oh, their heads together oh they're so cute yeah yeah, they're too cute. So then we pull up to a house that looks like it's straight out of a fucking horror film. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they go knock on the door, an old dude answers. He's got like chips in his nose. And Mulder asks if he's Harry Coakley. Coakley says he that. Well, says he is. If you're not trying to say that. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> and Mulder introduces himself, says he's Special Agent Mulder, and this is Special Agent Scully, and they're with the Federal Bureau of Investigations and asked to come in. So he doesn't look happy about it, but he lets them in, and as he turns around, we see that he's dragging a, not dragging, like carting around a oxygen tank with him. So he goes to the living room and sits down while Mulder and Scully just stand there. Again, Scully is so little. <laughs> and yeah. So, Scully says that the records show that in 1942, he lived in Terrence, Nebraska, an hour's drive away from Aubrey, and says about during that time, there were three murders in Aubrey, and their assailant, the murder, <laughs> will go out, um, mutilated their bodies with a razor, in the same manner that he slashed Linda Thibodeau in 1945. And Coakley says he doesn't remember much about that, and then Scully says, mm, I'm sure Mrs. Thibodeau does, <laughs> or will never forget, <laughs> she says, I'm sure Mrs. Thibodeau will never forget. I'm just like, yeah, fucking, yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Coakley says that doctor said he was sick back then. They gave him some pills and he served his time. Now he's better. Scully asks what kind of pills and he says red and white ones, little sister. And I'm like, if this isn't fucking Ooh. making it obvious, like, Ooh, maybe yeah. don't say the thing that you were carving to people's bodies when you kill them. Like, don't mm-hmm. make it that fucking obvious, you stupid motherfucker. Yeah. So Muller shows Coakley a photo of Agent Cheney and asks if he recognises him. Coakley says no. Mulder says he was an FBI agent who was also murdered in Aubrey in 1942 and then asks him where he was at 8.35pm two nights ago. Coakley says he's sitting right where he is now and Mulder asks if he has a witness to testify that and then Coakley's like, are you fucking blind? (laughs) (laughs) And like gestures to his his oxygen tank. He's like, I can't leave the house without this damn thing. He says he sits in front of the TV 24 hours a day. He says the night they were talking about you sit there watching a show called a show about a lost dog and after that it was a show about it and he like starts going on about it and Scully's like that mm-hmm. won't be necessary and Coakley asks if he's finished with her and it's, again says little sister it's so fucking creepy and then it Scully's is. like for now and she looks honestly she looks like she wants to kill this motherfucker she just wants she to jump and rip that fucking oxygen <laughs> right off him yeah she wants to throw and down smack him with it so then Coakley continues to smoke his cigarettes like everyone else on a fucking auction <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. waste oxygen, honest to God. So we then cut to BG's bedroom at night, 
she's sleeping, she's in bed, but there's a strong wind blowing outside. Um, it like blows around the curtains and stuff and opens the window. No, around the open window, sorry. It's like c- quite like loud banging noises and stuff. Yeah, why would you have your window like, open like, during that? I know, weird. Who, who sleeps with the window open? Let's be real. Lots of people do. My mum does it in the summer. Yeah? Yeah. No, I, I could never. Lots of people do. Lots of people like to air their room while they sleep, but I, yeah. I can't because it's too noisy. Like, there's too, I can't deal with all that I... background noise. Yeah, that's fair. I've got the little electrical power sub, like substation outside my window, and even with it, like, <laughs> right now, I can hear it at night. It's just like going, mm, humming away. Oh, and like, yeah. Shut See, up. I can deal with that. So I have to put something on to drown it out. Well, yeah. See, I'm. I can. We're not even that close, but I can hear the motorway at night, like cars going by, like that annoys mm-hmm. me. And just general, like just general noises, like people maybe getting out to their car or that. And like, mm-hmm. don't live on a busy street or anything, but still, the slightest noises, I'm just like motherfucker. Just the noise yeah. of the wind, even if it's a gentle breeze, I'm like that's keeping me up. Yeah, headlights pass by the window, and then we get like a sweet segue cut into uh, what BJ is saying in her dream. And again, it's like the old truck and like the the lights and like, the lightning from outside the storm, like it illuminates the the razor, like in the dream. And the thunder outside wakes her up, so she wakes up screaming. Like she grabs her gun, and, like points it around the room, and she realizes there's nobody there. So she relaxes and just like hand on her head, and then she brings it away and discovers that she's covered in blood. She turns the lights off. She turns the light on. There's we, we can see there's blood and lampshade as well. She goes into the bathroom and cleans herself off. And then when she looks in the mirror, she realizes that the word sister is carved on her chest. She doesn't know what to do. Um and she runs back into the bedroom and in the mirror, the she sees a reflection of the young Coakley. Um she screams, turns around, uh, but he's not there. And she has another vision, and in this vision, um that a crowbar is prying up some floorboards. And there is a man who's dragging a body in a sack to the floorboard. It's Santa. Yeah. <laughs> the worst present. Yeah. A uh, dead the- body. Just what I <laughs> asked for. <laughs> An avocado. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. So yeah, so that sack gets dumped under the floorboards and then we cut to BG, who is now ripping up the floorboards. Mm-hmm. But she is in somebody else's house. They're down in the cellar, and this woman like just comes running down the stairs with Mulder, Scully, and Tillman, and she's like, she just barges in here and like him running down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So I called the police. I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. More than fair, I would say. Yeah. And BJ is like, he's here, he's here, and Tillman's like, what is going on? She's like, what happened? But he notices that like she's covered in blood. She's got like the the words carved in her chest, and he's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Whereas she's still like, he's here. So Tillman's like, nah, I'm taking her to the hospital, and of course they're out of the room. The bowler's like, what were you doing, bestie? <laughs> so he kneels down at the hole, and he drags out the sack that is full of bones, and just him and Scully just like give each other a look. <laughs> like, ooh, okay. So we cut to Memorial Hospital um, in Aubrey. PJ is in the hospital room, a nurse leaves as Mother and Scully go in, and Scully hands her a paper bag full of clothes, and she says, thought you might need these. And we kind of see, like, her skin's kind of, it's, like, got that, like, red rash to it. It looks a bit, doesn't look quite normal, like, what is yeah. she? Yeah. Which is interesting. So BG thanks her, and Scully's like, oh, you hurt yourself. And BG looks down at her hand, which, like we said, it's all red and blistered and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, oh, can you tell us what happened? 
And BG's like, it was Coakley. Like, he was in the room with me. <laughs> and Scully's like, Coakley attacked you? And she's like, yep, 100%. What I call bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, he mu-, she looks down at like the words on her chest. Like, she must, he must have done this while I was asleep. And Mother's like, you're As if you sure wake up. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Exactly, for like the pain. So Mulder's like, mm, are you sure? And BG's like, nope. I'm 100% sure, like, I saw his reflection, he looked just like his picture. And Mulder's like, wait a minute, like, like his mugshot? And she's like, yep. And Mulder's like, but that, like, that's a picture of a young man, like, from years ago. <laughs> and BG's like, nope, it was him, like, 100%, like, it was definitely him. And Scully's just like, okay, well, I'll have Till- Tillman pick him up. And she just, like, gives Mulder a look, being like, let's just go with it, let's, let's right see what now? happens. <laughs> yeah. So we're in the interrogation room of the police station. Coakley and Tillman are at the table and Mulder and Scully are standing. Tillman asks, where were you last night? And Coakley does not look impressed. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Honolulu. <laughs> and Tillman's like, oh my god. He's like, you were in Aubrey, weren't you? And Coakley has, like, starts to cough. Tillman asks how he got into De- Detective Morrow's house. And Coakley's like, bitch, look at me. <laughs> like, it's all I can do just to get to the bathroom, idiot. And Fair. Tillman, yeah. Tillman says that the victim has identified you, Mr. Coakley. And he says that he already paid for his crime. And Tillman says, he's like, well, I'm going to make sure that you pay more. And Coakley's like, I didn't touch her. And then at that point, Mulder notices that Coakley's hand is red, blisters, and looks similar to what similar to what BJ's did. And Coakley says that he's not answering any more questions without a lawyer and tells him to get him a lawyer. Why is he even answering any questions without a lawyer? Yeah, he's not really doing much. Yeah. My guy, <laughs> to not talk to cops without a lawyer. Yes. Like, he's not done himself any favours by being like, oh, little sister earlier on. Yeah. I mean, he is a murderer and he's a piece of shit. Oh, no, yeah. well, he is a murderer, but he wasn't convicted of that. He was a, convicted of rape, just as bad, yeah. if not worse. So... I mean, he's a piece of shit, but at the same time, yeah. Never talk to the cops without a lawyer, guys. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to Mulder's uh, motel room. You see these sunflower seeds, and he looks, he's looking at a picture of young Coakley, and Scully shouts from through the door, and he's like, oh, it's open. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was quite cute. Yeah. I don't know why. So she comes in with some files, some papers and stuff, and she says she has the preliminary results from the genetic testing from the blood found under Verna Johnson's nails. They checked it against Coakley's, and they're seen a lot of things that, after a glass of wine, I can't read. <laughs> so, fair, fair. Leave it. Um, Basically, yes. Mulder asks, is Coakley's blood? And Scully says the results strongly suggest that. So I mean, even even completely one hundred percent sober, I would not know what this meant, and would not be able to read it. So I, I recognize the letters and the words, but good what it says. I hope you recognize the letters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just exaggerating. <laughs> uh, I recognize it's English, but I don't know. Yeah, but let's blame the wine. <laughs> We've both had too much wine for this shit. Let's keep going. Yeah, it's been a week. Too much wine. It's fine. So yeah, so Scully says that the results strongly suggest that. And she says, imagine the strength of this man's psychosis still driving him to murder after 50 years. And then Mulder brings up the point that but for some reason he let BG live. And Scully mm-hmm. says that, well, she's not the first. Mrs. Thibodeau also, survi- also survived his attack back in 1945. So they gather up their things and they go and pay a little visit to Mrs. Thibodeau. So they meet her in our house in Edmond, Nebraska. And on the wall is a picture of Mrs. Thibodeau as a young woman. 
and she says, so like Mrs. Timberlake's like the voiceover. She said this taken this photo was taken three weeks before it happened. The camera turns round to the older lady, Mrs. Timberlake. There is a scar on her right eye, mm-hmm. and she says that she hasn't had a picture taken since. Ah, oh, bless her heart. Hello, bless her. Uh, Mulder is looking at the other pictures on the wall that go up upstairs, and yeah. Is this your husband? And she says, "Yep, that's Martin. He was a good man. He passed last June. If it hadn't been for him, I never would have survived." And Scully says that she knows that this goes a long way back. Um, but can you tell us what happened the night Harry Copley attacked you? So she recounts it, and she says that it happened up there on the landing. She remembers the light from the window. It bounced off the razor. And um, the razor had an ivory handle, and that he kept saying, "Someone's got to take the blame, little sister, and it isn't going to be me." And she said that they tried to explain at the trial how his father used to beat him and how he was the only son in a family of five daughters and how he was brutally punished for everything wrong that happened. So now so he Mulder, hates women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mulder is looking at more photos on the wall and there is a picture of him, uh, oh sorry, Mrs. Thibodeau and Martin posing in front of, yeah, like the trilon and the perisphere, mm-hmm. which are the shapes that VG drew on the piece yeah. of paper that's from her dream. <laughs> Quite a stretch, but yeah. Yeah. It's it's the relative shapes, yeah. but could have had a wee bit more. And then Mrs. Thibodeau continues and says, but if you ask me, that man was born evil. Oh, fuck off. See, people don't understand <laughs> psychology. I can't be fucked by <laughs> Yeah. I don't understand why they think it's, like, why it's easier to believe that someone's just evil than to think that something... Is wrong with them in their brain, or yeah. that, and the fact that you know the environment that they grew up in mm-hmm. uh, will always stump me. Why people are just like, nah, I feel like it's easier to believe that there's evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Satan is at work. I'm yeah, like, no. On the flip side, God's at work, and I'm like, yeah, yeah but there's psychologies other factors at to work. consider as well. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the fact that you've just said that his father took out everything yeah. on him. But also, I just typical man thing, it's like, yeah. so because your dad was addicted to you, you hate women because you got blamed for shit your sister did. How about you hate yeah. men because your dad was the fucking arsehole? It's mm-hmm. like these serial killers that hate their mother and it's always because they usually like got a single mother and their dad left them. And I'm like, oh yeah, so your mm-hmm. mother who's stuck around and fucking looked exactly. after you, a psychotic little lass. Uh-huh. You hate women because of her, but you don't hate men when your dad was the fucker that walked out on you. Yeah. So they blame their mother for it. It's like, no, your dad was an arsehole. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just like the rest of the ninety nine percent of men in the world, yeah, stop hating on women, you fucking psychos. Yeah, because it's like specifically in that situation. I mean, it's it's the man. Yeah, fucking hate the man. Yeah, what are you on? But no, God forbid. I guess society just told them to hate women. Hmm. Um, where was it? I don't know. Oh yeah, uh, Mulder questions if she had any children, and she says that nope, none. And Mulder brings up that that their records show that she recuperated from her injuries within two months. But nine months later, she checked herself back into the hospital. And Mrs. Thibodeau just replies with, well, like, I had complications. Mm-hmm. And Mulder, like, I don't know, because like, I feel like he's trying to be a wee, like, bit gentle and just, but at the same time, she's like, he's just like, what happened to the child? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you're oh. a fucking business. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. I understand it's for the case, but at the same mm. time, ask a woman about the maybe child. Get, maybe get scurried to do that. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. So Mulder asks her, what happened to the child? What happened to Coakley's child? And she's obviously, like, kind of reluctant to talk about it. 
Um, but she says that Martin, her husband, used to say not to blame the child. It was a little thing. It was an innocent. But it was the spawn of evil and I couldn't <laughs> keep it in this house. But And that it was a memory of him. So I'm like, that's fair. Um, so she said that she gave the baby up to an adoption agency and she says that he'd almost, he'd be almost 50 now. Goes to her portrait on the wall and pulls like a scrap of paper behind it and gives it to Mulder. He says, this is the address for the adoption agency. And she's like, oh, if you do find them, she's like, oh, like, no, never mind. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, How random is it that she's got a bit of a fucking paper behind the fucking frame though? I know. Like, and this is what annoyed, and it's not just the X-Files, so this is not like a diss at the X-Files. It's every fucking like procedural show. They're like, yeah. Or any show in general, to be honest. They're like, in film, oh yes, that information you need, I just randomly have it stored away here right next to me in this scene. And I'm just like, get fucked. It's so stupid. Why would you keep that in a fucking photo frame? And you're all... Especially when your husband knew about it. Yeah. Knew what happened. Big Martin. Like, I I understand maybe you need to keep it apart. Yeah. Like, to to get through it. But at the same time, like, your husband knew what happened. Yeah, so... Like, just put it it in a drawer somewhere. Uh, fun fact, Martin, her husband, was named after Marty from the lighting department. No! Is that what it is? The connections are all there. There, yeah. <laughs> Must be. Yeah. That's funny as well because I was talking to thee at work and we are talking about down the hatch and he was like, oh, go get the poutine. I was like, oh, Marty from the lighting department yeah, loves yeah. poutine. <laughs> oh, dear. Brilliant. So we cut back to Mulder's motel room. You know, there's like case papers and sunflower seed shells everywhere. He's a messy boy. Scully says that the bones that BG found under the house belonged to Cheney's partner, Agent Ledbetter, and says that Coakley rented the house in 1942. The detectives at the crime scene found an old straight razor under the house. They're trying to lift some prints. And Coakley has been released, but I think we have enough to nail him. And Mulder is just not having it. He's like, nah, something's not working here. Like, something doesn't add up. And he says that the night that she was attacked, BJ said she saw a younger man. And Mulder is just lying on this couch here like an absolute fucking hoe. Yeah. Uh, what a slot. To see it. What a slot. What a whore. What a slot. Just like hand behind the head. Just, uh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not quite as good as the wet wired one, but it's, it's no. special season two here is just fucking off. But yeah, I mean, this boy, what a fucking boy. slot. We love what it. We love it. We don't slot shame. We're here for it. It is a slot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be the slut you were. What is it? He's the. What is it? He's the. Is it slut? Is, or whore? Or, he's the slut. I wish I always was. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what oh I mean? God. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think it is. Hold on. He's the slut. I wish I always was. Yes, he's the slut. I always wish I was. That's it. He's the slut. I always wish I was. I say that all yeah. the time now. Um, yes. Pop off, King. Pop off. Scully brings up the point. And saying that, you know, the state of mind she was in that night. Like, she could have been mistaken. And Mulder says, no, maybe she did see a younger man, young Coakley, Coakley's grandson. And Scully asks if you're saying that Coakley's grandson attacked BJ. Mulder says it would make sense. Um, Genetic traits often skip a generation. Oh, excuse me. And that would explain the test results of the blood found under Verna Johnson's fingernails. PGM subtypes subtypes are similar among relatives. Did Danny call back with the adoption records yet? Did you get them? Danny! (laughs) Been a while! (laughs) Yeah! 
Sally like dials the number on her phone, looks at her ear, and she says that she doesn't think that Mendel had serial killers in mind when he developed his theory on genetic. And then Mulder pipes up. Oh, when I was a kid, I would have nightmares. Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night, think there's only one person left in the world, and then I would hear this, and like he crunches down on the sunflower seeds, and <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck are you on about, boy? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, oh, like my dad would be in the study in Sunflower Seed. And Scully speaks into the phone. We find out his last name. I totally forgot about this. It's like, yeah, Danny Valadeo. It's Agent Scully. And I'm like, oh, you have a name for him. Like a full name. Oh, he's Italian, is he? Yeah, must be. Oh, Danny. <laughs> Danny. They really missed the trick by not fucking introducing it. Like, we should have had Danny in the, the revival. Yeah. They had some mention of him, but I'm just like, oh, that is so good. We needed, we needed a Danny face reveal. We did. It was necessary. Such a pivotal character. Um, so Scully directs her attention back to Mulder and she asks what this has to do with Coakley. And Mulder says that, well, on a basic cellular level... Celli- cellular? On a base- cellular. <laughs> yep, on a basic cellular. <laughs> Got your best thing. <laughs> yep, thank you very much. Um, we're the sum total of our ancestors' biological matter. But what if more than biological traits get passed down from generation to, the gen- to generation? What if I like sunflower seeds because I'm genetically predisposed to liking them? And Scully says that, like, she argues, but children aren't born liking sunflower seeds. Environment shape them. Behaviour patterns are taught. And Mulder says that there are countless... Stories of twins separated at birth who end up in the same occupation, marrying the same kind of people, each naming their child Waldo. <laughs> Scully's just like, what the fuck? She's like, Waldo? <laughs> I love this though. I've looked into lots of stuff about this and I think mm-hmm. it is a little bit of both. I think, because mm-hmm. I remember I saw, it was that documentary, I can't think what it's called now, but it was the three triplets that were separated at birth and they did studies mm-hmm. on them to oh, see okay. how, like, uh, how they developed and if they were similar even though they weren't, mm-hmm. they were like raised apart in different households. Because I think one was kind of like working class, one was middle class, one was upper class. Um, so okay. each had a different sort of upbringing, and yet they all ended up very much the same person. But in that, the one of the psychologists, I'm sure it's a documentary, the psychologist was talking, and he said how they were looking at brain scans of people, and he looked yeah. at one and he was like, this is a clear psychopath. And then it turned out it was his brain scan. But he oh. said that he was very, like, he's quite antisocial. Like, his wife often told him, like, he was very abrupt and stuff like that. Um, okay. And said stuff that wasn't, like, socially acceptable. Um, but he wasn't a psych, he wasn't a murderer or anything. But uh-huh. he was brought up in a good household. He was given a good ed- education. Whereas, so, like, I've had too much wine, so I'm not saying this properly. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, sure. There is something in your brain that's not quite right. But if you okay. are brought up in a house where there's no violence and you've got a good upbringing, you know, you're well loved mm-hmm. and everything well taken care of, then you're less likely to act like there's less likely for you to become a psychopath. Whereas if you've already got this thing in your brain and then you are brought up in a bad household, yeah, I then you. you're more likely to turn into, uh-huh. you know, a, a killer or whatever, a murderer, or you're yeah. more likely to commit, to commit crimes. So I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think that it's mm-hmm. nurture versus nature. I think it's a little bit of both. I think yeah. there are some predetermined things with your psychosis I think, yeah, that I you can't affect. But then mm-hmm. the, the environment you grow up in will will decide, determine whether you turn out to be criminal or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. But yeah, that's what I like about this episode. It does bring up some good points. Very intriguing uh-huh. things. And it was a yeah. woman. Because men are dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the men dumbed it down. Whereas the women... Elevate a wee bit just to be like, oh, by the way, consider this. And you're like, oh, that's a lot more pro- thought provoking. Yeah. I just that. remember one 
yeah, I remember one day I just had like a mini existential crisis. I was like, twins are crazy. Like they're just like, <laughs> the, the, two of the same people, but they're different. And I just couldn't wrap my head around different, it. but the same. <laughs> yeah, and I was at work at my old job, and I was just like, what? <laughs> just freaking out about it. I was like, they're the same, but they're different, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was like, what a wild time to have like an existential crisis yeah. of twins. Not that like that was a bad thing, but I was just like, how? I'm like, they're the same but different, and I was just yeah. like, whoa, what are we talking about? I don't know. Where were we? Oh, we're so far behind. How long's this recording? Oh, um, over an hour. An hour fourteen. Right, I, can, I can get it into an hour and a half. Right. Okay, um, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they're talking about Waldo. Oh, yeah, Waldo. Um, yeah, yeah. So Mulder says that John wrote about it when he talked about the collective unconscious. Um, it's genetic memory, Scully. He's like, Come on now. And she's like, bitch, let me talk to Danny. <laughs> I want to talk to Danny. <laughs> yeah, I want to I don't, I don't know what's up with Danny. So, yeah, she's chatting to him and then, like, she suddenly shocked and she's like, oh, all right, okay, I'll, I'll tell him. So she hangs up the phone and Danny says that he's tracked down Mrs. Thibodeau's son and he was a policeman named Raymond Morrow. Ba ba bum And then Mulder says, that was BJ's father. Bum ba bum dun, dun, dun. But it seems like an awful short space of time for her, that kid to have grown up, had a kid, and then... Because... Uh-huh. She mm, looks quite old. Thingy looks like quite old. Terry yeah. O'Quinn. But then again, he looks still that age come 10 fucking years later when it gets lost. So I don't know, maybe he's always looked old. Like she looks like an older one. They both look far too old to be fucking around having affairs. Yeah, I'm like my guys, sort your life. Yeah, but um, not that it's okay to have an affair at any age. But yeah, I'm just like I I do know what you mean. They do look a wee bit older. Yeah, but then maybe it's the maybe for like Tillman's character, it's the mustache because my uncle has had a mustache the whole entire time I've known him. Obviously, I've been born. Yeah, (laughs) and it doesn't look like he's aged at all. Yeah, so maybe it's just like the mustache. That's fair. It could be that, or my perception of the mustache because he's had a mustache for the last thirty years and doesn't look like he's aged. Yeah. Like no, I think it's environmental mu- factors and all that. Mustache and the fact that he's losing his hair, I think that means she's yeah. older as well. No offense. To all Although the she did say that. Well, she did say it was the forties, and this was the nineties. I guess that's fifty years, but still, that's, yeah. he's got to grow up. She looks, but she, she looks about forty to me. That's true. She does look older. I that 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 would be the real question. How old so, is he's had a BG? kid pretty young? Yeah, he could have done. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not trying like to be mean to the women or anything, but she doesn't look oh, like yeah. spring chicken. So, and either does I don't even know, but for to for her to be having an affair with okay, yeah, yeah, fucking older man, I guess. But still, she I don't know. It just they both seem like they're in their forties. Although surely mm-hmm. he can't be in his forty. I don't know. How old is that dude? But then it. it was a different type. Like, my gran was a gran by 36. And I'm like, that's crazy. And I'm like, I don't even want to be a parent at 30. I'm like, yeah. what are you on? True, true, so it could have just been like a different time. Yeah, I guess. It could just be, yeah. Terry O'Quinn, 71 years old. So he was born. 70, when... He's 71 now. Yep. Wow. Born in 1952. Then he would have been 40. Yeah, you're doing 40. So he must be in like his 50s when it comes to loss. Mm-hmm. He looks the same age, to be honest. Yeah, so he was in his 40s. She was in her 40s. So this boy had a kid when he was like 20. Yeah. I guess that's not out the norm for that time. Because mm-hmm. he was like, so that would have been in 
the 60s. He was 20, so yeah, I guess that's about right. Yeah, it could be right. about right, yeah. Can you pick up me? I'm just doing my rosemary oil in my hair. <laughs> no, I can't pick it up. No. So what do you... Not to derail this even further, we're not making this an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. I've been looking for oils to use in my hair to just do something for it. So I do you, just, what, what do you use? So I you literally just got one because when Scott sent that video of Luck Lomond, I was like... Because my hair's been like... I For ages, I've been like, so much hair coming out for the last couple of years. Um, uh-huh, I don't know, yeah. Maybe the last four years coming out and I was just like why is so much hair coming out so I started using that it's not Alpacin I can't remember it's Planter I think it's called for the women okay and I noticed there was less hair so okay. and then I stopped using it and then for a while it was gone and then it started happening again but I was like mm, my hair doesn't look like it's thinning anywhere and then Scott sent that phone and I was like I can literally see like a bald spot like at the back of my head where like, the oh, hair's right. coming out so I was like fuck this I need to do something so I got the instead of the shampoo I got the planter ta- capsules to take so I've got them two times a day and then I've got rosemary oil okay. um, which is gold world rosemary oil because it's already diluted because it couldn't be bothered fucking okay. around with one of the ones that isn't diluted Yeah, and then you literally you get a little head massager thing with it so oh, okay. you literally nice. put that on your hair like it's in like a little I don't know what you call it, but it's got like a little, like, you know, a little bit. You squeeze it at the top, and it's got like a little metal yeah. bit, the glass bit that goes into the wall. Yeah. So you put that a wee bit over your hair. I've been putting a lot on right now because I want to quickly get it back, and then I'll use less and less as it goes on, and then just kind of massage it in with this head massager thing, and then I'll wash it later. But I don't want to leave it in for a while. And then I've been trying not to use dry shampoo in between because mm-hmm. that really dries out your hair. But yeah. It's hard because my hair's so thin and I don't want to wash it every day because that will dry out my scalp as well and I do have very dry skin as it is. But I'm like, I literally can't get... Because like, I did it the other day and I was just like, my hair is so greasy. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, felt self-conscious all day at work. So I was like, I feel like such a scaff because my hair looks greasy as anything. But I, was the same. I just washed it the day before. So I was like, I don't want to wash it again. So I ended up using dry shampoo this morning. But I was just like, it's not great for my hair, but I don't know what else to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I'm trying to cut down to only washing it twice a week. So uh-huh. I wash it on a Saturday and wash it on a Wednesday. But I condition it on a Saturday and that kind of gives me an extra day. Yeah. But I'm also like, by the time Tuesday comes, I'm like, guys, don't look at my hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's zooming in. Oh, but I like literally the... can't go like a day without getting washed without having to use dry shampoo. Like My hair uh-huh. is so greasy. And yeah. it's because it's so thin and there's so yeah. little of it. But I'm just like, I need to do something, man. But and then it says on it you could try like just doing the oil and then just washing it with water. But I'm like that will leave my hair greasy as anything. Like my hair is too thin to do that. Aye. So I'm gonna yeah. see what happens. I've literally just started in it for the last. It's been like a week now, so okay. I'm not expecting to see any results for like a month or two. But I'm hoping right. it'll work because I don't mm-hmm. know what else to do. <laughs> yeah, because I've always wanted to try the oil, and then I was researching into it, and then there was like a million different ones, and folk were like, "Oh, it's not good for this hair, not good for that hair." I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just gonna leave it. Yeah, I thought I'll just try one and see what happens. Yeah. I think we've got the same hair. It's thin, but there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And see, I don't have a lot of it, but I think you're right. Okay. What you mean your hair is quite thin, but you yeah. do have a lot of it, whereas I don't have a lot of it. So I'm trying to okay. Because I, like, I would wash my hair, dry it, and come in, and then the whole day, it would be, like, just strands of hair would be getting sucked into the air cabinet. Like, <laughs> my arms. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, oh. I'm like, get the hair out of here. Chuck it in the cabinet. <laughs> it was just the doing struggles so of being a woman. Yeah. I need to do something. But I do have, there is, it's, oh, is it Pantene? I can't remember. But it's for greasy, 
roots and dry ends because uh-huh. that was my problem. That yeah, that was the, like the my issue. Dry. Yeah. So I have that shampoo, and using that shampoo compared to any other shampoo, it's it's night and day. So I would highly recommend that shampoo, and they also have a conditioner. Oh wow! So yeah, without it, it's just I couldn't go three days without washing my hair. I would it would be like a day, and I was like, nah, I need I need to I need to wash it after the day. But using that plus a little bit of dry shampoo every morning, I'm like, it's ticking over, but it is drying out my scalp, but it gets like all. Like itchy, and I'm like, yeah, oh, I don't like it. The other thing I hear about dry shampoo is like, especially right now because I've got like psoriasis right above my right ear, so like I'll itch that. Okay. I can't help but do it, especially see when I get anxious, like stressed out at work. I end up at scratching under the line. I'm like, oh shit, and then but then because I've put the dry shampoo in, like I end up like, oh, pull my trousers down because they've like crept up while I've been sitting down, and I'll have white yeah. marks on my trousers. I'm like, for fuck, oh. yeah. I'm just like, cannot win with this shit. Yeah. So I'm getting sick of the yeah, dry shampoo. I think I've got like a little tiny patch on the back of my neck, on the left side, and it is just itchy when I use dry shampoo. And I'm trying my best not to like go for it. Yeah, but it's just a tiny little patch, and I'm like, I need to stop. So I've just, I've just mm-hmm. tried putting like Vaseline on it at night just to like sleep in. Yeah, but I, I don't know if it's helping. So I'm, maybe the oil will help my scalp. Just <laughs> to, like wet it out and just feel it right. Chill out. <laughs> Yeah, I'll send you a link for the one I've got. Okay, okay. Happy to try anything because it needs it. What are we talking about? I don't know. I feel like we'll leave this in for all the gals out there that are struggling with their hair. We do. We would definitely leave this in. Right. Mr. Thibodeau's son, policeman, BJ's father, BJ's cookie's granddaughter, she's responsible (laughs) for the murders. What did you say? I got out. Said family tree. Family tree, yeah. The whole the whole family's in on it. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mulder's like, Scully, get your coat. We're fucking gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scully's like, whoa, like, do you oh uh, do you honestly think that BJ is capable of Mulder? And he's like, no, but Coakley is. You just said she's like Mulder. <laughs> you just said uh, is BJ c- capable of Mulder? <laughs> uh, murder, murder, murder. <laughs> there's been a murder. Murder. There's been a murder. <laughs> Yes, BJ's capable of murder. Murder, and Mulder's like, nope, but Coakley is. Mm-hmm. That who who is? That's who BJ has become. Yes, Scully's like, bitch, that is outrageous, <laughs> bitch. Straight up calling him out. And Mulder's like, nah, Scully, like, this is what I think. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah, he is correct in this instance. Mm-hmm. Huh? He's, he's like, often oh, I think... correct, which is annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets one win. Yeah. One win in this set. Um, yeah, so he's saying, like, I think Coakley's memories, his compulsions have been passed on genetically to his granddaughter, BJ. That's what's driving her to kill. And Scully asks if he's saying that BJ's nightmares are real and that she is out there killing his women, carving sister on them. And Mulder's like, 100%, yes. <laughs> and Scully's like, well, how do you explain, like, her own injuries? And Mulder's like, I can't explain everything. <laughs> I'm like, what cop out? <laughs> can't do your job for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and 
He's like, oh, maybe she did it to herself. Maybe it's some kind of weird stigma. Whatever it is, BJ is not herself. Just remind me of that Matthew McConaughey. It's very dust. This was. It's yeah. <laughs> That's like I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the little whistle gets me. Yeah, time. I can't do it. But um, uh, well, I, <laughs> has anyone ever come up with more like? Matthew McConaughey, like, there's that quote, and then there's the two quotes. There's the all well, right, all right, all right, from Days right, Confused. Right, right. And there's, you just gotta keep living, man. L I V I N. I don't know. I think, I think the guy's brilliant. Yes. Do you remember? Well, uh, yeah, we went to see Magic Mike, and he was in it, and he was just a fucking weirdo the whole time. But I was like, this guy's brilliant. Do you know what? I totally forgot that he was in Magic Mike. So did I. Then just the other day, I, for whatever reason, it. it I think they like showed a clip of like his films or something, mm. like on a TikTok, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was, like, I just remember coming out and just being like, "He was a fucking weirdo the whole time," and I was here for it. <laughs> like, Nobody uh, else mattered. Yeah. He was the best. I love him because my favorite rom com is How to Lose the Guy. So, mm-hmm. I think he's, he's brilliant. Best. He's the best. There was also an interview I think of him. Was it him and Woody Har- Harrelson? And they're and whatever it was, they're like, oh, "Are you related?" And they're like. Well, oh yeah, there's like, a thing that they could be directly, they could be related. Yeah, 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 it's them. Yeah. I'm guessing like, that's oh. for True Detective that they run together. Yeah, unless they've been in anything else together, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, somehow we're on Matthew McConaughey now, but <laughs> it's not a bad tangent. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but oh, living, for the man. sake, you gotta keep living. L I R N. I just remember my br- l- uh, my nephew watching that, absolutely stoned, <laughs> laughing along, and I was just like, "My dude." <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Scully's asking, "Where are we going, Mulder?" And he says that we need to warn Mrs. Thibodeau. If BJ has, in the sense that I'm talking about, become Coakley, then she might be trying to finish what Coakley started. And this scene, oh, my little heart was breaking for her. Mm. So, like, this this old little widow, she's living her life. She's just going about her house, cleaning stuff. Just, yeah. She's on the case. She's doing, like, all the, like, household tasks and stuff like that. And then BJ shows up. Can't. With her little razor. And I was... I just remember writing my notes. I was like, oh my god, I finally remember this episode. Mm. And I was like, no, leave her alone. <laughs> I was like, How don't dare touch you. her. Not Mrs. Thibodeau, man. Yeah, it's this little sweet old woman. Oh. She's in her house. She hears like a sound and turns down. It turns around and she sees BJ standing there and she goes to attack her with holding the iron. And Mrs. Thibodeau just throws like straight up ammonia, mm-hmm. straight up chemical right yes. in her face. You can like, go on yourself, hen. Yep. But also, how wild was it? Like in the nineties, it's just straight ammonia. Yeah, just right on the ball, just ammonia. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can still get that in America. Maybe you probably could. Yeah, you probably could. And um, but yes, yeah, just chucks it in her face, and now BG's face is all like blistered, and it looks kind of like how Coakley's looked. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Tribido, Mrs. Tribido, Tribido. I was reading the word ahead. Yeah. Tries to escape. <laughs> um, she pulls out a gun and BJ starts to approach her but stops a few feet away when Mrs. Thibodeau aims the gun at her and she tells her to stop. And BJ's voice has changed. It doesn't sound like it normally does and it's like a lot deeper. And she says, somebody's got to take the blame, little sister. And bless her wee cotton sock. She's like, no, you're not him. Like You can't be. And Mrs. like, 
mm-hmm. Mrs. Thibodeau says as she's like walking back up the stairs. Yeah. Um, and BG is like, it's not gonna be me. They both back up, like they both head up the stairs, like back up to the landing where it all started. BG raises raises the razor in her hand, and Mrs. Thibodeau tells her that she's not afraid to use this. They keep going, and then they finally end up back on the landing where she was attacked 50 years ago, and Mrs. Thibodeau says that you have his eyes, you're him. As BJ passes the pictures on the wall, she sees the two of them at the World's Fair, and she stares at it. And Mrs. Thibodeau comes to the realisation that you are my grandchild. And she lowers the gun, and BJ is just like, nope. And she just like starts brandishing the razor and everything, mm. and... It's yeah, it's, it's like a whole scene, and um, we see that Mrs. Thibodeau has the scars of Sister on her chest, and BG opens up her own shirt, and we see Sister carved on her chest. Mrs. Thibodeau has dropped the gun, oh, dropped the gun, mm-hmm. and she said she says that he's done this to both of us, and just for a moment, it looks like BG might return to normal, but then the I don't know, I don't know what to call it, like. Like, Coakley just takes control again? Yeah. Or, like, the urge to kind of, kind of be like him takes control again? Yeah, whoever it is. Yeah. And she tries to attack her, and she's like, no, you don't know what you're... Mrs. Tippetoe says, you don't know what you're doing. Um, He's the one to blame. You know, like, not me. Mm-hmm. Mulder um, ends up at the house. And he rushes in, he calls out to her, and Scully comes in and sees Mrs. Tippetoe up on the landing, so she runs up um, to see her. She appears unhurt. It doesn't look like she's hurt or anything, but she asks her what's happened, and Mrs. Thibodeau says that she had a razor, she tried to kill me, but something stopped her. Mulder asks where she went, and she says she doesn't know, and Mulder phones 911 as Scully helps her to her feet, and she helps her down the stairs, and bless her, this is so cute, she like helps her down the stairs. So Mulder is phoning in for an ambulance, and they need an APB on BG model. And he's like, yep, that is Detective Morrow and that she should be considered armed and dangerous. Scully says that BG is going after Tillman. Um, the first murder Good. occurred after, yeah, <laughs> after BG found out she was pregnant. She was looking for someone to blame. I think that is Tillman. And Mulder is dialing another number and says, I don't think so, Scully. I think she's going to go after, if she's going to go after anyone, it'll be Coakley. And Scully asks why. And she say, he says that she probably figured out by now, that Coakley's her grandfather, she's looking for somebody to blame, someone to blame, it'll be him. And he then says that Coakley's not answering his phone, he's going to go over there, so he hangs up and just leaves. So back in the police station, Mrs. Thibodeau is giving a statement, and Tillman rushes into the room, and is like, oh, he's just like, I need to talk to you, and Mrs. Coakley's like, I'm taking a statement. And he's like, oh, you accused BG of murder? Mm-hmm. And his colleague's like, can we talk about this outside? And he's like, no, let's do it here right now. And his colleague's like, right, okay, have you seen Detective Morrow? He's like, no, I have not. But I don't care for what you have accused her for. I'm like, bitch, she's going to write the tag folk. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's basically like, like she wouldn't hurt anybody. But Scully's like, you know, like you, Detective Morrow broke into this woman's house and attacked her with a razor. And Tillman's like, oh, I don't believe that. And Mrs. Thibodeau is just like, it's true. It happened. Just like, shut the fuck up, bitch. It happened to me. (laughs) Mic drop. So we cut to Coakley's living room. An old film's playing on the telly. Um, It's 
chatting away. Coley's wa- watching it. Um, he sits down in his chair and he starts to put his like oxygen tube around his head, but discovers that the tubes have been cut. He hears a sound and he looks up and he's kind of suspicious. He's like, ooh, what's going on? So he switches off the telly and he like, calls out, like, who's there? And he walks into the other room and while outside, Mulder gets out his chair. Gets his chair, oh my god. <laughs> gets out of the car and like runs in shouting for him. Meanwhile, inside, Coakley's searching the house and then he sees BJ and he's just like, no. <laughs> BJ is like, got a deeper voice again. She's holding the razor and she says, how does it feel to be on the other... The other? The other? I keep, I keep reading ahead. <laughs> how does it feel to be on the other side of the razor, brother? And she slashes at him um, but misses, so he backs up Tells her to shut up. She slashes at him again and hits him in the chest. Outside, Mulder is burning around the corner and he draws his weapon. And we see the old, like, truck car from BJ's dream. Coakley is terrified. He's cowering back. Um, meanwhile, BJ is holding the razor above him and says, You know the rules. This doesn't stop until you're dead. She slashes again while Coakley screams. So Mulder enters the house. And calls out to him. He finds Coakley slumped against the floor. He's wheezing. He's bleeding. And behind him he hears BJ charging at him. She knocks him in the head with an oxygen tank. Falls on the floor. He's like kind of out of it. And then she tries to kill him. And Mulder's just like no no like, don't do it. Um, but in BJ's mind we get a flashback. Mulder has changed into Agent Cheney. Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, no, like, <laughs> not looking good it. for Mulder. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that is not me. <laughs> BJ says, again, this like deep, different voice. He says, this time you'll stay dead. And the razor comes down and freezes at his neck. And Mulder's like, oh, don't do it. Whereas Scully, the main bitch Scully, comes in and she's like, freeze. And she's like, cocked her weapon on BJ. Tillman rocks up, who's uh, also got his gun out, and he's like, BJ, what are you doing? Um, Scully tells him to let him go, and BJ replies in like, this deep voice, he's like, I'm not BJ. Mm-hmm. Mother's like, yes, you are! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you yes, you are, BJ! <laughs> so, BJ slides the blade, draws some blood, and Scully like, tends on the trigger, but in the corner, Coakley wheezes and draws his last breath and passes away. Scully goes over to him and checks his pulse um, and pronounces that he is dead. At the news, BJ seems to like kind of just slump. Like She takes the blade away from Mulder's neck and sits down next to him. Tillman walks over to her and helps her up. And <laughs> meanwhile, Scully goes to Mulder and helps him up. What? Um, Tillman is like in the corner. She's like, oh, it's all right, BJ. It's going to be all right. Like, she's just... Assaulted like an FBI agent. I don't think it's gonna yeah. be alright. <laughs> Might be some yeah. complications. <laughs> yeah, but little little Scully is just like holding Mulder's head and like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll be okay. What? Don't get so. What are we some good MSR episodes back to back? Yeah, and then lo and behold, we get a, a Scully voice horror. Mm. 
Uh, yeah. So they say that we're continuing with genetic, genetic testing on detective model. Evidence suggests that the presence of a mutator gene that has activated previously dormant genes, but the results so far are inconclusive. We then cut to the Shamrock Women's Prison, psychiatric ward, high security. Going along a corridor while Scully's voiceover continues and says that the detective model has not demonstrated any further psychological changes. Extensive blood work and psychological testing has been conducted in order to determine whether the pregnancy could have been a catalyst for the transformation. We've yet to determine the effect, the effects on the fetus. Um, within BG's cell within the prison, she is leaning against the wall and she is obviously pregnant. And I'm gonna have to try and read this word. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, so Scully says amniocentesis. Sure. Sure. Results show no genetic abnormalities. Chromosome testing has determined the child's sex to be male. BG is on her second week of suicide watch after an unsuccessful attempt to abort her son. Lieutenant Tillman has petitioned to adopt the child and the case will soon be presented to the courts. And that is the end of the episode. I'm sorry, but if my husband was like, oh, by the way, we're going to adopt this child that I've fathered outside of our marriage, I'd be like, yeah. cool, you do that, brah. I'll see you later. Ahem, and thanks for half your money. Divorce. Again, divorced. Yeah. <laughs> divorce, babe. Divorce. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's just me. <laughs> just put a full Adele. Divorce, babe. Divorce. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a man, so he'll probably get away with it. So. Yeah, probably would. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the episode, in this though. X-Files writer's room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's the end of the episode? Yes, that's right, it. we need to figure out where we're... Uh, figure out, rather, uh, where, where, where we're, we're sorting this. Uh, sorting this? Putting this? Ranking it. Okay. Do I work from the bottom or from the top? Um, ooh, go from the top. Just to mix it up. If this will open. Come on, computer. There we go. Right, so from the top, we've got Host. Not as good as Host. Not as good as no, Firewalker. No, no. Not as good as Dwayne Barry. No. Not as good no. as Ascension. Not as good as no. One Breath. No. Mm, little Green Men? Better or worse? Better or worse? Worse. Worse? Um, better or worse than Blood? Better, surely. What were you saying? Better or worse than Blood. <laughs> no, but did you say better, surely? Uh, yeah, I said better, surely. Yeah, I would put it on par. With blood. I put above, so let's put above. So our list as it goes, because yeah. we've now got a top ten, goes host, firewalker, Dwayne Barrett. Wait, have we missed one? I don't know, have we? Ah, we're more than ten episodes in, are we not? Quite a few what more than ten episodes in. Eleventh. No, oh, hold on. No, we've not missed one. Uh, Wait, this is episode twelve. Yeah, so we've missed two. <laughs> what have we missed? No. We obviously didn't rank them in our last ones. Uh, let's see. Maybe we didn't. Little Green Men, Host, Blood, Sleepless, Dwayne Barry, Ascension, Three, One Breath, Firewalker, Red Museum. We've not Excelsior. put Red Museum and Excelsior stay in. Ah, that's right. What so, is. what we're doing is we're putting Aubrey right below Little Green Men. Then yeah. Excelsior stay and Red Museum, where are we putting them? Below Blood? Somewhere. Somewhere below, in the bottom. Let's put them below Sleepless, but just above Three in it. Hang on. Well, we put. Yeah. Right, what I'm going to do is... Yeah, we've been getting drunk. Sorry about that, guys. Listen, we're drunk when we do this. What do you expect? <laughs> so we'll put Red Museum then Excelsior Day. Just because Excelsior Day is so problematic, but so is Red Museum. Yes. Like, we're just going for... How the fuck uh-huh. do you spell Excelsior? <laughs> is it 
E X C A E L S I S. Yeah. Yeah. And then D I E. No, D E A I, is it not? D E I. You're asking the wrong person this time, Riley. That's what's going to be on my spreadsheet. Yeah, I've not ate either, so. Fuck dear. Never drink on an empty stomach, guys. Yeah, my dinner will not be getting cooked in the hall, but it will be getting chopped in the microwave. Yeah. I'm just going to make a salad and air fry some fake chicken drumsticks. Oh, nice. Nice. Yes, mine is going in a, a red tub in the microwave. I'm going to chop some vegetables with my extremely sharp knife. Let's see if I still have ten oh. fingers in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that leaves that. So do you want to do the fans that are out there? Do we only have the one? Yeah. We do. Yeah, we and put I'm it out very late all the time. I'm... Yeah, I'm bursting through you. Yeah, me too. So... Kathy G. Kathy G. Legend. Legend. Legend on this this podcast says, I love this episode. It's a gem of early MSR with absolutely yep. cutest car scene ever. Yeah. And in the tweet, they've put a little, little car scene in yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's good. I have not. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> They're too cute. They are. They're adorable. I had good yep. MSR moments. Mm-hmm. It's. There are issues. There are issues, yeah. A lot of sexism. Yeah. 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 It's But the MSR was glorious. That's all we care about. That's what this podcast this podcast is about. So Oh yeah. Like I said to you, I had absolutely no memory of this episode until the very end where BG goes to attack Mrs. Thibodeau and I was like, Oh my god, I remember it now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what happened. I thought it was the the episode of the photographer. Oh no! That had, like kidnapped the girl. No, and no, no! It was... That's oblique. Well, I don't. I think it was the AUB. No, I'm right, right, thought. Right. I was like, oh, that's what that one is. I was like, why is this episode? And then I watched it. And I was like, I have no fucking memory of this at all. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, I know where we are now. I keep forgetting that but you yeah. have not done like a full rewatch in a while, whereas I just did one. How long ago was that now yeah. that I watched The X-Files? Two years? Three years? So I did my full one. I, I could probably find it. I did my full one the first time I watched it when I was 19. And then I watched my favourite episodes over and over again for like the next couple of years. Yeah. Then during lockdown, I was like, fuck it. I've got nothing else to do. I'll stay up until four o'clock in the morning and watch The Handy for Let's where the snake eats somebody. Yeah. And I was sending you Snapchats and you were like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then you sent uh, you sent a message being like, oh, I mean, I'm watching The X-Files. And I was like, oh my god, it's happening. <laughs> uh, I, can't, no, no, I can't remember when that was. When maybe 2021? 2022? One of those, yeah. Maybe. So our group chat was the 27th of February 2022. But that could have been a couple of weeks after you watched it. It only took me like two and a half weeks to watch it all as well. Yeah. And then I feel like we started the podcast the year after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was June 23... No. No, it was June 22. It must have been, I think, we started it, yeah? Because yeah, then we finished up like just before June 2023, and we yeah. had a wee break, and then we we've constantly mm-hmm. having breaks because we're so bad at organising this. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get better. Yeah. So, Sebastian... So we've had a week. <laughs> we've had a week or two. Yeah. 
But we're we're back on it. We're back on it. We're gonna get so professional. It's unbelievable. I keep saying this, but one of these days it's gonna happen. One of these days it's gonna matter. I was gonna get back on TikTok and then Universal took all their music off it and half my TikTok edits have been muted and I'm still really annoyed at that. So it's gonna be a while before you get some TikTok edits because I'm just fucking raging. Fucking raging, yeah, man. That's fair. Especially because our bow, bow, bow. Oh, I can never do that without the music playing, but our um Tim's one. or Tim's ones we muted, and I was like, "How fucking that, dare they?" That was iconic. How dare they? They ruined it. Yeah, they ruined the well, meme. Not happy about that. Oh, yeah, that wine's went straight to my head, man. Drinking yeah. on an empty stomach is not a good idea. I'm at the point where I'm like, I can't even be fucked. Like, if I do, I just go bed. <laughs> and I was like, it's only quarter to eight. Yeah, yeah, get out of your life. Definitely. Go and eat some dinner. I need to eat some dinner. And find but something yeah. to entertain myself for the rest of the night. But yeah, we'll see you next time for Irresistible, which is a horrible episode, like, if you think about content, but also a great MSR episode. So we'll be loving it. We'll be yeah. ignoring all the dark shit. <laughs> yes. Fucking <Yeah>. Donnie Faster. <laughs> Fucking Donnie Faster. <laughs> Little dickhead. See you next time. Bye. See you. Bye. Yeah.